Well, good evening, Grace Church. Welcome to everyone here this evening. We're glad you're here. Uh, I tell you what, why don't you turn to your neighbor and just tell him, say, if I weren't here, I'd be somewhere else. But you know what? The good news is, is you're not somewhere else. You're here at Grace Church. We're glad you're here. Why don't we just celebrate the fact that we're here at church tonight? Hey, and I don't take it for granted anymore. I hope that's how you feel. I'm glad every time we come to church, every time we're here, it's great to be on campus. Those that are joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, we're glad you've chosen to be part of what's going on at Grace Church this evening. We know the service will be a blessing to you. So we are so glad uh, to just see everybody both on campus and live stream. I want to thank you again for your generosity to giving to Grace Church, to the kingdom of God. You all are so faithful, so great about staying faithful to giving. Just as a reminder, you can give on your way out tonight in the, in the beautiful, beautiful box that, once again, my brother, Steve Bunch, handcrafted for our offerings. And uh, it is so beautiful. Take, take note of that. Drop something in the offering on your way out. And then, of course, you can always give online or on the app, Facebook, uh, or through the app or through the website. Uh, you can give in that manner as well and will be a blessing. I promise you, you will be blessed if you give. How many have found that God always gives back when you give to the kingdom of God? Amen. And just in passing, let me remind our junior high and high school students, we will have our youth activity Friday night as we have been having over the last several weeks. We'll communicate that to you through the group me text as we have been doing. But the next Friday night, everybody say, not this Friday night, but next. That, that's October the 9th, and we are having a Section 2 youth rally right here at Grace Church on campus. Yeah, it is exciting. I'm pumped about it. Uh, we've done these before. We've hosted these before, I should say. And uh, Mark and Brianna do a fantastic job helping organize the music and organize the evening. And we have kids from all over the section come in, leaders from all over the section. And God always moves and just shows up in a big way. And uh, I'm going to tell you, our guest speaker is Brother Draylen Young. And I'm just going to take a moment here and be totally candid. I did not know who Brother Draylen Young was or is. And so I checked him out online. And his testimony is posted online. You ought to do yourself a favor and go watch that. I'm not going to tell it to you. He may want to share it uh, in some more detail when he gets here. I don't know. But I will say this. He mentions in the, in the video, he says, statistically, I should be either dead or in prison today. But he walked into an apostolic Sunday school. Where's my Sunday school teachers, my kids ministers, my youth leaders? He walked into an apostolic Sunday school as a teenager, and God changed his life. Now he's a worship leader. He's a, he's a minister of the gospel, singer, prolific songwriter. He's going to be here uh, that Friday night, and I could just tell from watching his testimony, his spirit, it's going to be amazing. So you want to be here. Students, tell your parents tonight on your way home, say, I need a ride October 9th. Tell them to go ahead and put it on their calendar. You want to be here October 9th. So, so make a note of that. Also on October the 11th, that's Sunday a week and a half away or so, we are hosting a blood drive here that Sunday morning. It'll be in classroom two. This is just one of the many ways that Grace Church gives back to the community. So we want you to sign up for that. The sign-up sheets are in Grand Central, and uh, we want you to take advantage of that 
be a part of that. Also, I have another cool announcement on October 17th. Family Night Out is going to be hosted right here on campus. Are you excited about Family Night Out? And if the weather's like it is tonight, it's going to be awesome. I mean, that's what we're praying for and hoping for. But even if the weather's not like it is tonight, we're all, we always have a good time. And so we want you to come, bring family, bring friends. Be sure to sign up online and uh, make sure we know how many are coming. The event is absolutely free, but we do want to prepare enough food for everybody. So make a note of that, and uh, we, we, you will be blessed. That's from 4 to 7 on October the 17th. One final announcement before we pray. I do want to remind everyone, if you're interested in being part of Bible quizzing 2020 to 2021 season, there is a meeting, a kickoff meeting, immediately following the service this Sunday in the Alexander Center. Okay, so everybody got that? If all my Bible quizzes, if you want to be involved, if you've never been involved before and want to get some information or what that might look like, you're invited to this kickoff meeting Sunday after church in the A Center. So please remember that if you're interested in being part of a championship Bible quizzing team. That's right. It's true. It's a championship Bible quiz team. So God bless you on that. Why don't we pray together before we change the order of the service and just invite God's presence here tonight and that he would sanction and bless everything that's done. Jesus, Lord, tonight we make an intentional decision to turn our eyes away from the cares of today, to turn our eyes away from the cares of life, all the things that are swirling in our culture and in our world, and we turn our eyes and our attention to you. For the next few minutes, Lord, it's just you and us. It's just you and your word. It's just you and your spirit. And we want you to move. We want you to have the preeminence in this place. And I'm praying that from this moment forward, our attention would be locked in and that you would do what you've set out to do, that you would change our lives and draw us closer to you. Everybody say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm looking forward to hearing from our missionaries tonight, but before we do, pastors come into the pulpit. If you believe that God's going to do something awesome in this place, why don't you just clap your hands one more time to Jesus? Great to see everybody here tonight. Thank you so very much for coming. And uh, we have been extremely excited, especially over the past several weeks, at just how God has seemingly open doors, has done amazing things uh, here at Grace Church, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, we've been in a celebratory mood. We're thankful to be on campus. We're thankful to have seen God do some amazing things for the people that's been baptized, for the way that the Spirit of the Lord has moved and ministered in the lives of people, and uh, I'm so, thank so very thankful for that. And uh, we say this often, in a, in a service dynamic like tonight, we all realize it's Wednesday night. But that doesn't stop God from doing amazing things. What does stop God is our attitude. Uh, what lets God go is our attitude. So if you want to see God do some amazing things in your life, if you want to see God do amazing things here tonight, it's going to be largely dependent on your attitude. So I'd like for us to just set Bible study aside uh, mentality aside, just set that aside and just open our minds and hearts tonight to whatever it is that God wants to do across the board when we have missionaries. It's typically on Wednesday night. I think I explained that to Brother Sledge, but uh, they're all very dynamic services. 
all in different ways, but they all end up being incredibly dynamic. I love the vision, the passion of our missionaries. If you're not visionary and if you're not passionate, I don't know how you could be a missionary. Uh, you have to care about the kingdom of God and all of its components. And I know these folks have come here tonight with a burden to share, but more than that, with ministry to share. And I believe God wants to use them to do some amazing things here tonight. Are we open to that? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. If you would stand tonight just in honor and reverence to the man of God, we want them to come. They're coming to us from Berlin, Germany. And it's exciting to have missionaries from Europe because Europe is, is a very difficult area. It can be very challenging. Uh, in my opinion, some more than any other part of the world. And I, I, I'm thankful for missionaries that leave home anyway. But to go to a place where there's so much tradition, so much of different attitude and history and the past, and just to be able to, to, be, to be willing to accept that challenge, to say, God, I'm willing, God, I'll go. God, use me for whatever you want to when I get there. I admire men and women that will do that. Let's give them welcome as Brother Sledge, Sister Sledge, come to minister to us tonight. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said praise the Lord like you mean it. <laughs> now, as my wife is on her way up here, because I believe in this whole lady's first thing, okay? While she's on her way up here, I'm going to ask anybody in here if you have a $100 bill. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I just, I just want to. That kid's got a $100 bill, man. That kid's doing better than I am. I just want you to understand that that $100 bill you can only use one time in your life. You don't get to use it twice. Well, unless you steal it back, but that's not the wise thing to do, okay? You can only use it once. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's some books out there that, that are helping us in our projects like buying plane tickets and buying furniture. Germany, y'all sit down for a second. Germany is a funny place. You rent an apartment and you rent it unfurnished. Now, to you and me, that means there's no couch. In Germany, that means there's no light fixtures on the wall. There's no sink. There might not even be a stove. And you got to buy all that stuff and put it in. And then when you leave, you got to take it all back out because you can't leave it like it was. It has to be like it was when you got there. Germany's funny. And so just I want you to consider this. Uh, that $100 bill you only get to use once in your life. But those books out there, see, you could read it, put it on the shelf, read it again, put it under your pillow, read it again. Let your kid read it. Let your grandkids read it. See, it could be used like 500,000, 10,000 times and that $100 bill you only get to use once. Just take that into consideration as my wife comes up here and testifies. And they're good books. My mother is LaJoyce Martin. She's an apostolic author. And there's some fiction, nonfiction. Just You won't have to be embarrassed if anybody's seeing you reading it because you know you're not reading anything that you shouldn't read. It's good stuff. But um, we are from, uh, well, we're from lots of places, but we are missionaries to Germany. Berlin, Germany, and it is a privilege, privilege, privilege to be in church tonight. And I am not talking about the building because there has never been a building this church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And we are the church. And if we will be the church, we're not the church in a building. We're the church when we go out on the street. We're the church when we're visiting our families. Church on the job, church in school. We're church where the world needs us to be the church because they need what we have. Amen. Germany is a, it's a lovely place. I don't know what first comes to your mind when you think about Germany. World War II or classical music, 
the automobile, gummy bears. I don't know. They invented those too. All kinds of good things come from Germany. But, but I think about the people because I know the souls that are lost. See, in Berlin is the atheist capital of Europe. There are 5 million people in 50 square miles, and the overwhelming majority of them do not believe there is a God. And it is not because they have been introduced to God and they have decided that's not for them. It's because most of them have been taught since they were very young children. In school they were taught there is no God. There is, there is no such thing. See, in the 1700s, there was a movement that swept through Germany, and they decided that uh, schools and science and government are all better off without the influence of God. And most Germans believe that if religion was done away with, there would be no more wars, there would be no more conflict. Now, you and I know that's craziness. Because the fact is, James told us where wars come from, and they come out of sin in the heart. And... So I was thinking today about, about David, and uh, you know the story. We all know the story of David and Goliath and, and how he went and Saul tried to get him to take on his armor. You see, Germany wants us to take on their armor, and their armor is science. Their, their armor is education. They truly believe that if we had enough education and we had enough science that would solve the social problems, that it would fix everybody's issue, but it's never worked. 6,000 years of recorded human history. It's always been illegal to murder, and people are still getting murdered. Because the problem, is not law, the problem is not that we need more laws. It's not that we need more government. It's not that we need more education. We're more educated today on the dangers of, of substances than we've ever been, and people are still addicted. Because the problem is not the, the, the solution. Their armor of science and education is not the answer. Because it doesn't solve the heart problem. And there is, there is a, just a whole world over there and, and they don't know God and they don't have any hope. Because all they think is that when life is over, they just cease to exist and there's nothing else. And there's no hope because they don't know where to turn when they're in trouble. Because if there is no God, where do you go when something's bigger? And we know we run to the rock that is higher than we are. We know our God, and we have the great opportunity to go tell them when they're sick, when they're having relationship troubles, when their kids are going astray. We have an answer. Because when Jesus gets involved, everything changes. However the situation looks, when Jesus gets involved, nothing stays the same. So we go to them and say, no, we're not going to use your armor because that, that's not worked. But we have armor. We have the name of Jesus. And we went to our neighbor's apartment. She had a shoulder that she had, had something had gone wrong. She couldn't lift her shoulder. She was in excruciating pain, just crying. And we went and prayed and said, in the name of Jesus, we're going to pray for you. And when we do, God is going to heal you. And sure enough, when we prayed for her, she was able to lift both hands. Because the name of Jesus works. We can use the name of Jesus. We've tried it. We know it works. We've got the Word of God, and, and whenever we're up against a struggle, whenever somebody's hurt us, and all of us have faced hurt. This is life. Nobody gets through life without getting hurt. But instead of getting bitter, instead of, getting, instead of turning in revenge, we take the Word of God, and we stand on it, and we come through, and when it's all over, we're shining like gold because we've tried that. That's a part of our armor, and it works every single time. It never fails. We got... We have, we have the spirit of our God. I know that, that one day I was, I was praying and uh, my husband had gone bicycle riding with a friend. And uh, 
and something came over me and I said, I've got to plead the blood over him today, right this second. I dropped what I was doing. I got on my knees and I called him. I said, after I prayed, I said, honey, what happened? He was riding along on his bicycle and a truck almost ran over him. But, but as we prayed, just enough room for him to get out of the way and not be run over. The blood covered him. See, we have some armor. We've tried it. We have some weapons. We've tried them. They work every single time. I don't need their armor because I know what works. And my armor does work. Thank you, Jesus. And we, we, it's, it's, it's an interesting society. Very, very educated people. Highly educated people. But um, we don't argue because arguing with people doesn't solve anything. But we have something else in our armor that, that works and that people can ar- cannot argue with. And that's a testimony. Because people can say, well, you know, I don't believe what you said. Well, that's fine. You don't have to believe it. But I know I was lost and now I'm found. And I know my life was going to pieces and Jesus put it back together. And I know, and I know I've prayed and we've seen backsliders come back. And we've prayed and God's healed people of drug addictions. And we've prayed and God's lifted people out of marriage problems. We have testimony. People can't argue testimony because we know that works. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing a little bit. and I'm, y'all, y'all look very, very up to date and modern and cutting edge. And I'm not any of those things. I'm just old down-home gospel. So I'm going to sing. And if you know the songs, please join in. And let's worship Jesus together. Just 
serve. Amen. Amen. And tremendous promises we have in him. And uh, these promises, you know, I've, there's an old song, all the promises in the book are mine. Y'all ever hear that song? I'm so glad that song is wrong. <laughs> there's a whole lot of promises in that book. I'm glad they're not mine. <laughs> if you don't do it right, <laughs> you rob God and he's going to take away from you. I'm really glad those promises ain't mine. Amen. I'm glad those good promises are mine. I'm glad for the promises of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen to that? I'm, I'm, I am so glad that the Lord has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And uh, why he did it, I do not have a clue. And uh, he really, I mean, he just had to drag around quite a bit to come up with somebody like me. That's just all there is to it. I'm one of them bottom feeder kind of people, you know, that just... We dug around in the mud and the muck down there, and we were covered up in mud and muck, and we really didn't like sunlight all that much because it was kind of hard on the eyeballs, you know. And so the Lord dug me out of that and has a wonderful sense of humor. Called me out of a lifestyle in which people were not involved because I don't like people. And he says, I'm going to turn you into a preacher. So you got to be kidding me. <laughs> that was my response, yeah. He said, and his attitude was, I didn't ask for your opinion. Amen. And aren't we glad God doesn't ask us for our opinion? Every, every opinion is valid. There are so many voices in the world and none of them are without signification. Every voice, every opinion is valid. It doesn't matter if it's a good opinion, bad opinion, high opinion, low opinion, gripey opinion, ungripey opinion. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's an opinion that burns down buildings or, or builds cars. Every opinion is valid. The problem with every opinion, including yours, is it's corrupted by sin. And because of that corruption, it creates such a narrow viewpoint in our eyes that we cannot see past ourselves and understand what our opinion is actually going to accomplish 10 years, 20 years down the road. Most of the time, we do not know what our, our opinion is going to do or accomplish in the next five seconds. Because The reason I know that is because you, like me, have asked yourself on numerous occasions, what was I thinking? Amen. And you were thinking it was going to work out one way when in fact it was not going to work out and that's just part of it and that's just the way life goes. And uh, for those of you who kind of got a grip on that $100 bill in the book thing back there, please understand the books do not cost $100. 
okay? Now, if you want to donate, you know, a credit card with all the PIN numbers and all that kind of stuff, I'm happy. But uh, you just take care of your business, and we'll take care of ours, and everybody will be happy, all right? Everybody said amen. Uh, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. It looks like I'm actually going to get to use my notes tonight. Whoever the sister was that was asking about that earlier, is that you? Yes. And it uh, looks like I'm going to get to use my notes tonight. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 20. I have to get my old people glasses on to where I can see what I'm looking at. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 20. And I'm going to talk to you about the fact that uh, my wife and I are not pastors. We are not evangelists. We are warrior priests, if you want to put it that way. Uh, we didn't know that for a long time until we got to Berlin, okay? And after being in Berlin for a little while, God woke me up one morning and he said, I've called you to be a warrior, not anything else. And our job is to confront spiritual wrongness and spiritual, spiritual problems. And uh, so that being said, I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. I'm not here to confront anybody. I'm just here to tell you that somebody in this place has been struggling with hopelessness because you have put your hope in the wrong thing. You're frustrated. And that frustration is manifesting itself in your walk with God, in your family, in your interactions with people, probably on the job. And that frustration is really wreaking havoc in your life. And I am bringing the answer to you tonight that you have got to put your hope in the right thing. Okay? Because if we have our hope in, in something that's not right, it's not going to work for us. Okay? Everybody with me on this? Everybody doing okay? So let's pray right quick and I'm going to let you sit down. And then we're going to just tie into the scriptures and see what happens. That'll be all right? I got a head nod up here on the front. Will that be all right? Jesus, we love you so much and thank you for your mercy and truth. Jesus, you are our God and you are our Father and you're our Lord and you're our King. You're the one who cares about us so much, Jesus. You're the one who prepares everything for us. You created everything for us. And Lord, you created us just a little bit lower than the angels, but your intention is to make us higher than that. Your intention is to make us the bride that is going to be something so special that throughout time you're going to show in, in eternity, ages to come, the great things you've done inside your bride. Jesus, I plead your blood on every person here tonight. I pray, God, that your blood will touch their hearts, that your blood will touch their minds, that you will sweep through them, flood through them tonight, Jesus. Wash every bit of the frustration out so when they walk out of this building, they are walking out in the hope of Jesus Christ. Christ and the hope of eternal life which is better than anything this world has to offer in the name of Jesus Christ everybody said amen. amen all right you may be seated my wife and I were in a uh, in a uh, mall in Potsdam Germany Potsdam's on the southwest corner of Berlin and uh, we have a second church there we actually inherited a church in Potsdam because some situations happened and, and things just didn't work out the pastor had to had to leave it. And so they called us up and said, would you mind coming over pastoring our church? I said, sure, we'll come over there. So we started our second church in Berlin and uh, actually in Germany. We had one going in Berlin. Then we took over this one in Potsdam. It wasn't long after that that there was a, we got an email from, from Estonia and the, and the pastor in Estonia sent us an email and said, I've got a saint that has moved to Leipzig, which was two hours south of us. And uh, she would like to have a congregation. She would like to get something started in her area. So we then started on our third work going down to Leipzig and all of this was done inside a year, in, in less than a year. And we started going down to Leipzig, and now we're having three services on three different days and around Germany and uh, in three different cities. And shortly after that, we, we uh, 
got a door opened up to us to, to work inside a refugee house in Bestonsey, which was another city on another night in a fully different place. And every one of those congregations was totally different. Uh, the German congregation was international. We, we had Germans, we had Polish people, we had Colombian people, we had people from Ecuador, we had people from Sri Lanka, we had people from all over the world, the Philippines inside that congregation. And uh, the, the Potsdam congregation was, was all Africans. And uh, the primarily they were former Catholic Af Africans and, and some of them were still Catholic and didn't know it. Because they didn't have a clue what the oneness of the Godhead was. They had not been baptized in Jesus' name. They had not been filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't know what it was. But when we got there and we started preaching this, in a short amount of time, they started receiving the Holy Ghost and we started baptizing them in Jesus' name. And, and God started doing a miraculous work inside those folks. But in every one of those cases, we had to prepare something different because when you're dealing with a bunch of folks from Africa, what you have to understand to an African, 15 minutes late is 10 minutes early. It is. To a German, five minutes early is 10 minutes late. So it's really best to have two congregations. Did you get that? <laughs> Just keep them Germans over here and keep them Africans over there and we have a move of God and they're all getting baptized in Jesus' name. Everybody's filled with the Holy Ghost. Just, you know, we're enjoying it all together and about once, once a year we'd get everybody together and just have a good time. Amen? And that's just, I'm not talking about segregation. I'm just talking about survival. All right? Because when things start flying around because of frustration and frustration is something that can tear us up. When things start flying around because of frustration, usually the pastor's right in the middle of the warring factions. Everybody said amen. I heard all right up here on the platform because I know he knows what I'm talking about. And uh, frustration can, can destroy us. Now, Jesus said cast all your cares, or the Bible says cast all your cares upon the Lord. He cares for you, and that's very true. And uh, none of us do that. None of us cast our cares upon the Lord. I know that because some of you are worried about bills and some of you are worried about your children and some of you are worried about your family. Is it all right if I walk around down here? That's really good because I really like harassing people when I'm preaching to them. Get some guy sitting there looking at me like I'm all tough and everything else. And the Bible says greet the brethren with a holy kiss in three places. It does. Now, are we obedient or not? Nobody in this congregation has walked up to me and kissed me on the cheek yet. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Real glad. He's like, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. But frustration is something. We don't cast our cares on the Lord. We really don't. We hang on to this stuff. And we hang on to it as if we have the answer for it. Somebody open your Bible to Romans chapter 8, verse 20. I'm, I'm going to let you read. It's a whole lot easier for me to do that. That way I don't, I'm not having to go back up there all the time, okay? Does that be all right? Romans chapter 8, verse Don't Don't read off the screen. I don't think they, well, they have it up there now, but uh, I was hoping somebody would read. Somebody read it out loud. Like, come on, girl. You look like you can read. Nice and loud. Verse 20. This is awesome. This is an awesome verse. This is something that's going to help you out right here. You were created subject or a slave to vanity. You were created literally a slave to your own problems. 
You were created a slave to your own passions, your own inabilities, your own weaknesses. God created you that way. The creature was made subject to vanity, not because you wanted it like that, not willingly. He didn't ask for your, he didn't, you check it out. He didn't form Adam out of the dust of the ground and say, okay, son, before I breathe into your breath nostrils, the breath of life, I need to know, do you mind if I put some vanity in you? That didn't, conversation didn't happen. When he breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living soul, when Adam stood up, Adam had something in him that was going to pull him towards wrong behavior. God created every one of us that way on purpose. When Eve was standing on the edge of the garden and looking back inside and the serpent comes up there and says, has God said you can't eat of any of the trees of the garden? No, that's not what he said. He said don't eat that tree in the midst of the garden and don't touch it. All right, you with me? But when the serpent looked at her and said, well, you know, God knows when you eat that tree, you're going to be like him knowing good and evil. And something developed in this girl's mind. Not what the serpent said. What the serpent said is, when you eat it, you're going to be like God. That's not what she said. She did not say that. She looked at that tree and said, well, it's good looking. That's not what the serpent said. That serpent didn't say, that's a pretty tree over there. Check it out. That's not what he said. What he said was, is when you eat that fruit, you are going to be like God. And she looks at it and the first thing she, well, that's a good looking tree. Pretty too. In fact, I believe that's good to eat. That's going to be some good food. And it'll make me wise. Ain't nothing what the serpent said. But something was working on the inside of her. This this vanity that God created her subject to, this, this, this humanity that we have that draws us towards. You see, nobody is deceived by anything that they do not want to be deceived by. If you were to bring a, if you were to bring a stack of weed in here right now and you start rolling some, rolling some left-handed cigarettes, you would not, get me to smoke one of those things to save your life. In fact, if you tried to light one and hand it to me, you would go to the hospital. Because I hate drugs. I hate alcoholism. I hate the bondage it brings on people because that's the family I grew up in. I've never been high. I've never been drunk in my life, but I was raised by them. Okay? And I have a hard time hanging around a drunk person because they're, I just want to put them in the hospital or deeper. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You see, you can't tempt me with alcohol. You can't tempt me with drugs. You can't tempt me with a cigarette because I can't stand the smell of them things. You can't tempt me with beer because I can't stand the taste of it. Okay? And if you're going to go to German, Germany, the first thing they ask you, do you like beer and bratwurst? Well, I like the bratwurst, but I can't stand the taste of the beer. I'm sorry. Kind of sets them off a little bit but I'm not tempted to that. But there's some other things that you wouldn't even have to suggest it. Just have it in the room and off I go. I'm not deceived by something that catches me unaware. I'm deceived by something that I want. Everybody say amen. 
And I'm going to tell you something right now. It's something that I would want as the, as the West Texas cow hand, redneck, independent, self-reliant person that I am. And that is to take up arms and clean this stupid country out. You're laughing because you agree. That is a serious temptation in my life. It is something I have to pray about often. God, this is not my battle. Flesh and blood is not what I'm warring against. I'm warring against the spirit of chaos that's driving this stuff and I know how to get victory over that chaos and it's not with a bullet, it's in the name of Jesus Christ. We were made subject to vanity, all of us were. It was not our opinion. Had God given me the option had he come to me before he said, let there be, and he said, okay, son, let me ask you a question. Why do you think I ought to make mankind? I'd have looked at him and said, well, make them like me, but they think like you. Amen? I'd have been happy with that because if they think like God, but they look like me, everybody's gonna be happy. Amen? But God didn't ask me that. He said, I'll make you look like what you want, what I want you to look like. And you're going to think in vanity problems. You're going to think in vanity terms. You're going to think things like whenever I was trying to get the Holy Ghost in my poor wife to be, I would be talking to her and I'd be on the way home and I would let her know, what if I die on the way home? I'm going to hell because I ain't got the Holy Ghost. And she would tell me, you know, God has not called you this far to let you die and go to hell in a car wreck. Well, you don't know that. Well, God does. But my way of thinking was full of anxiety and stress on the way home as I'm driving because, quite honestly, the vehicle I was driving wasn't the best vehicle in the world and a wreck was a real possibility. I was poor back then. I have money now because she doesn't let me have money. I believe in stimulating the economy. But my idea of stimulating the economy is a new pickup. Her idea of stimulating the economy is a dollar puzzle book. It's up to her. Everybody's in depression. We all starve to death. It's funny how the Lord puts people together like that. You know what? And so, what was I talking about? Dying on a car wreck. What was I talking about before that? About the way we think. Subject to vanity. Fretting and worrying over stuff we can't do anything about. I'm just curious. Is anybody in here older than conception? If you are, things have happened in your life that you wish you could go back and undo. <laughs> Somebody say amen. I got a hand wave over here. And the rest of y'all are just like, not me. Oh, yes, you. And if you're like me, you get to thinking about this kind of stuff. And it happened 25 years ago, and you can't do anything about it. And you get to thinking about it. And you build this frustration in your life like you've got some kind of answer for this. And next thing you know, you're depressed, frustrated. You won't read your Bible. Prayer time dies out. You're listening to some sad sack music on the radio that doesn't mean anything. She's over here looking at me like, mm, I'm not saying nothing. Because it's human behavior. That's the way God created us. But there's something else he put in you called hope 
You see, hope is the antidote to frustration. Hope is the antidote to frustration. Next verse, verse 21. Because this is why he created us subject to vanity and subject to hope at the same time. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered. This body, good boy, Heidi. I'm going to tell you something. My soul was delivered from sin. I was born again, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody identify with that? But I still got this body. I still got this body. I knew a young man I had pastored church somewhere between the North Pole and the South Pole. I had this young man in our church one day, and it dawned on him one day that girls were very good looking, very attractive. And I was bringing him home one day. We'd been out doing some stuff, and I was riding home. And he, he says, this whole girl thing, Pastor, he said, uh, when does it stop? That was my response. I said, when you die. He's got the Holy Ghost. He's baptized in Jesus' name. And now he's struggling with the reality that girls are very good looking. Some of y'all seem to be nervous about that. Do you think that God created Adam out of the dust of the ground, let him name all the animals, knocked him colder than a cucumber, pulled a rib out, went over there and made a woman? What do you think Adam did when God came back? Get up, son. Quit all that sleeping business. You got work to do. Adam stands up. Oh, man. Woo! Now, Lord... You see, Adam just got through naming all these animals, you know, rhinoceros, hippopotamus, all this kind of stuff. And he looks at <laughs> Lord, that ain't no hippopotamus. <laughs> or do you think Adam stood up and went, oh, man, what a dream. Lord, what were you thinking? No. Anybody here married? Any married couples in this outfit? You ever wake up in the morning and your wife roll over and look at you and just, No. She didn't marry you because she thought you was ugly. And you didn't marry her because you thought she was ugly. God created us this way. He created us to desire things in this life. He created us to think, check out that background. That background's really cool. You see, I'm not looking at the scripture so much here is I'm thinking in my mind about what it would be like to ride a horse across those mountains back there and gather cattle out of that. And God put that in me. And I, some of the most beautiful days I've ever seen in my life were looking between a horse's ears and looking at cattle when the sun was just coming up and there's a mist on the ground and it's a cold day and you're wearing a jacket and the air's crisp and it's just beautiful. God created us to enjoy things that we see. But sin corrupted that and now the creature itself needs to be delivered. And we're waiting because we're going to be delivered. Look at this, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Isn't that awesome? I'm just, are there any old people in here? Old people? Now, old qualifies like you wake up in the morning and your joints hurt. Yeah, kind of about half the congregation then, right? Aren't you glad you don't get to live forever in the body you have? 
man, eternity's coming and I'm going to have a new body and my knees are not going to hurt. I'm not going to have this cataract in my eye that I just spent $4,000 to get LASIK surgery so I wouldn't have to wear glasses. And now I have a cataract. Somebody said amen. Days coming when I'm not going to have to worry about I can run and not get weary. I can climb those mountains, chase them cattle on a thousand hills. Do it in the name of Jesus and not worry about sleeping that night. Somebody said amen. And when I do sleep, I won't sleep gasping for air and snoring and waking up the neighbors. And if I ever sneeze again, it will be the most wonderful thing that ever happens in life. Right now, I hate sneezing. Hate it. But when I get to heaven, if I do sneeze, it will be a glorious experience. Amen. Next verse. Verse 22. For we know there's a lot of groaning going on right now. What are we groaning for? We're groaning and travailing in pain together. Why? Next verse. Not only they, not only other people, us, we ourselves, we're groaning in the church. We're struggling with this frustration that's eating our sack lunch. We, have, we have, might have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's great, but we're still groaning because something's eating us up. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for that adoption. Even the redemption of this body. You see, my soul's already been redeemed. My spirit's headed towards Jesus. But this body still has a lot of problems. Somebody said amen. And I'm going to tell you what one of the main frustrations is in this body right now. And that is politics. This, this political season, every political season, but this one in particular, has a lot of us been out of shape and worrying. We're worrying whether or not the right politician is going to get put in. We're worrying about what's going to happen in Congress, whether or not we're going to get this Supreme Court justice or whether or not that's going to wait until next time. And We're waiting on this. We're waiting on that. We're frustrated with this and we're frustrated with that. And some of us are ready to take up arms and some of us carry pistols and rifles with us just in case Osama bin Laden's third cousin shows up on my block. Everybody said amen. This world... News flash. Y'all ready for this? You ready? Put your eyeballs on me. Eyeballs on me. You ready? This world is not your home. The United States of America is not heaven. I've got an eternal kingdom and it was bought by the blood of Jesus and I'm a part of that kingdom and thank you very much. It does not have the name America writ on it. <laughs> However much effort I waste worrying about what's going to happen on November the whatever is worry and frustration that is killing my hope of the redemption of the body. Hurry, 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 hurry. I'm hurrying, Pastor, I'm hurrying. This is what I look like in Berlin. Everywhere I go, I've got this hat on. There's a reason for this. Because they are the most hopeless people you'll ever meet in your life. You walk out on the streets of Berlin, and you're wearing a hat like this, 
And just so you know, there's 84 million people in Germany and none of them wear a hat like this. Man, do I stick out like a sore thumb. And I walk out on the street and somebody walks up to me and says, where are you from? Texas. What are you doing here? I'm here to teach you how to have hope for eternal life. What does that mean? Let me tell you about Jesus. 30 minutes worth of Bible study right there on the street. Walk down the street a little bit. Some of the dude walks up to me. Where are you from? Texas. What are you doing here? I'm here to teach you how to have hope for eternal life. What does that mean? Let me tell you about Jesus. Amen. You see, I bought a hat and took it to Germany with the thinks I was going to sell that thing. God said, you ain't selling it. You're going to use it. You're going to use it to propagate the gospel. You're going to use it everywhere you go. When you go to France, because you just happen to be traveling through France, somebody's going to ask. When you go to Slovakia, whenever you go to Czech Republic, whenever you're in Poland, we've been in all of those places. Somebody's going to ask you, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And one of my favorite questions, one of my favorite questions. See, I get three questions. Where are you from? What are you doing here? And what does that mean? But I get a fourth question. You ready? What do you think of Donald Trump? And the Lord was so kind to me because I'm not this smart. I'm seriously not this smart. But the Lord was so kind to me one day. First time a person asked me that question. What do you think of Donald Trump? I looked him square in the eye. I said, there's not a politician on this planet who can fix your problems, but I know who can. He looked at me and kind of nodded. I said, there's not a politician out there, buddy, that can solve your problems because there's not a politician who has the answers for what's going on in this world. It's not money. It's not land. It's not something else. It's a sin problem. That's what's going on in this world. We have to connect to sinners who do not have hope because they put their hope in the wrong thing and therefore their lives are entirely frustrated. This whole Antifa garbage that's going on, it has everything to do with they have put their hope in the wrong thing. Whether you like the lady or not is beside the point to me. Nancy Pelosi can't fix the problem. just the way it works. It's a reality. So we're in this, in this mall in Potsdam and I am looking at a kiosk with donuts. My problem, Pastor, is I had seen an advertisement on Facebook for Krispy Kremes and I had been separated from Krispy Kremes for two years by this point. I had not had a Krispy Kreme donut in two years. You see, the problem with German donuts is they look like a work. Every one of these literally looked like Picasso had put them together. I mean, they drew on them. They put the cookies in the right spot. Sister Kay Burgess came down to, to uh, uh, Bonn, Germany, when we were over there teaching one time. And we went out. They had a, had a deal going on. And so we went out to uh, uh, McDonald's there in Bonn, Germany. It's been several years ago. It's 2015. We went to Bonn, Germany, and uh, we went down to McDonald's at a break. And we were teaching in some classes there, and she was our interpreter. So we didn't, she didn't need, we didn't need that, and she didn't need that. So off we went down, and we get to this McDonald's. This is German, German. This is German mindset. We're in the McDonald's, and we walk up to the counter, and I said, "I want a hot chocolate." She orders a cup of coffee. I said, "That cookie looks good. I'll take that cookie." She said, "Well, I'll take that cookie." And my wife said, "I want hot, white hot chocolate and, and, a, and a donut." And so they bring all this stuff out, and they set it there, but they did not bring her cookie. 
Sister Kay Burgess did not get her cookie. Now, I want you to understand we're in McDonald's glass cups, saucers, stirring spoon, real stirring spoon, not plastic. McDonald's. This is German. How it is presented is much more important than what it tastes like, just so you understand. The manager comes out. Who at this table ordered this particular cookie? Sister Burgess said, I did. And the lady said, we cannot serve it to you. And Sister Burgess looked at her and said, why not? She said, it's broken. And me and Sister Burgess looked at her at the same time and said, will it taste different? She said, no, we cannot serve it to you. We will bring you something else if you would like, but we're not serving that cookie. Well, how is it broken? It's broken in half. Say that aloud. Yes. Now, I'm curious. How do you eat a cookie? The whole thing at one time? One piece at a time, right? You have to break the goofy thing to eat it. Not in Germany. If it's broken, you don't get it on the plate because image matters to a German. And I'm looking at these donuts in this donut kiosk. And my wife says, you know, you see, German donuts look like a work of Picasso, but they taste like cardboard. Horrible. She says, you know, those, those taste like cardboard. I said, yeah, but I want one. She said, well, let's go get some real food, then we'll come back and get one. So we come back and we walk up to the counter, and I'm, there's a reason for this. The hat is all about it. I walk up to that counter. There's a girl behind the counter. She's about 20, 25 years old. She looks at me and she says, you're from Texas, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what are you doing here? I said, I pastor a church right here in Potsdam. She said, I don't believe in God. I said, really, why not? She said, because he is a fable. He, it's all fantasy. It's all make-believe. I said, lady, you've come way too late to convince me that he's, he's make-believe. No, he, he, it's all fantasy. I said, lady, I was there on the second week that my wife and I were in Germany and we're walking over the Spree River and right on top of the Spree River is a lady playing her accordion. In front of us is the Pergamon Museum. Down the road is the Humboldt University. Off to our left is a big gigantic, what they call Berliner Dome, which is a big gigantic church. All over the back on the other side of the river are these shopping centers and, and fancy places and restaurants and you can take boat tours up and down the Spree River. We're in the middle of the culture of Berlin, Germany, right there. And I, that lady's sitting there playing an accordion with a cup in front of her. She's raising money. And God pokes me and said, you go talk to her. And I walked over and said, ma'am, what is going on? She said, I'm crippled in my feet and I have to have a special pair of shoes and I'm raising money to buy them. I said, okay, I'm gonna give you five euros but you're gonna let me pray for you first. She said, okay. I said, do you mind if I lay my hand on your head? She said, okay. It is amazing, even in the atheist capital of Europe, which is Berlin, Germany, the atheist capital of Europe, when somebody is struggling and they have pain and there's no answer in education or science or medicine, if you ask them, may I pray for you, every one of them will say yes. We laid our hands on that lady. We started praying. There's people walking all around us. Pastor, we're speaking in tongues in the bridge in the middle of the atheist capital of Europe. Power of God's moving. We get through. We walk away. Come back about 30 minutes later. That lady hollers, hey. Yes, ma'am. She said, my feet are healed. The pain is gone. In the atheist capital of Europe. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. Your environment does not determine how God works. 
It doesn't matter to me who gets elected into the office. It does as an American. It matters very much. But as a child of God, I don't care. Because no matter who gets into that office, no matter who is in the Oval Office, it doesn't matter whether we ever have another justice on the Supreme Court. Jesus is above every bit of that. And this frustration you're carrying around is because you've put your hope in a political process that is not going to bring a return to you. There was a man sitting on the side of the road. My wife and I were down walking. Do a lot of walking in Berlin. And as I'm walking, here's this guy sitting here. He's got scabs all over his head. His knuckles, and his hands are scabbed up. Now where I grew up, first thing I thought, boy, that was a rough night at the bar. And God poked me and said, you go talk to him. So I got down in front of him and said, dude, so what happened? You look like you went through a meat grinder. He said, I have epilepsy. He said, and the last time I had a fit, when I woke up, this is what I look like. I said, man, can't you get some help? He said, I don't know who to call. He said, the people that bring me my medication don't know where I am. He said, and I don't know how to get to them. He said, I don't, I'm not even sure where I am. I said, okay, I said, you can borrow my phone. He said, I don't know any numbers. He said, I don't know. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I believe God is going to do a miracle in your life in the next 24 hours. I don't know if he's going to heal you completely or if something else is going to happen, but I know God is going to do a miracle. We're in the atheist capital of Europe, ladies and gentlemen. We're in a place where people don't even believe God exists. I prayed for that man right there. I couldn't lay hands on him. There was nothing to touch that was not beat up and had scabs. I just prayed and asked God, you're going to have to do a miracle for this man. Jesus, you're going to have to get involved in his life. We left, went on about our business. The next day, we were walking in a different part of Berlin, and as we're walking along, I hear somebody, hey, I got my hat on, this guy, he knows who I am. Hey, and I turn around, look, and it's him. He's, he's waving me down. I go over and say, how you doing? He said, two hours after you prayed for me yesterday, the people who bring me my medicine drove up and got out and handed me my medication. He said, that's not possible. They didn't know where I am. I said, that's what happens when you get Jesus in the middle of impossible. He does not need your circumstances to be right. He doesn't need your environment to be good. He just needs you to trust in him and call on him and pray and cry out to him. That girl behind that counter said, no, that's not possible. That's not possible. It's all make-believe. She said, all we have is nature and we're killing nature. I said, wow. I said, what is your solution then? She did not hesitate. Get rid of humans. Twenty, twenty-five years old. And that's your solution? Just kill eight billion people? I looked at her and I asked her a question. Who do we start with, you or me? She changed the subject. No, ma'am, you're going to answer my question. You want to kill 8 billion people? I want to know who you're going to start with, me or you. I'm not real happy with you starting with me, just so you understand. I'm not real happy with us starting with you either. She changed the subject. No, ma'am, you're going to answer my question. If we're going to kill 8 billion people to save a spotted owl, I want to know who we start with. I looked at her and said, you're the most hopeless person I've ever seen in my life. 
She said, well, I just hope I have a job tomorrow. Well, obviously, you don't want to die then. I said, lady, next verse. We're saved by hope. I said, lady, my hope's better than your hope. I said, your hope is you're going to live and die someday. That's all. My hope is eternal life in Jesus. My hope's better than your hope. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you right now, the hope you have in Jesus is better than the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. It is better than the Green Party. It is better than the independents. It is better than whatever politics is out there. It's better than CNN, Fox News. It's better than all the rest of them. What hope you have in Jesus Christ is the hope that will get you out of, but my body's not any better right now. Yeah, but if I wait, if I'm saved by hope, then I'm looking for something because what I don't see, next verse, I'm sorry, what I, what I don't see. If we hope for that we don't see yet, I'm gonna wait for it. It doesn't matter what our society is doing because my environment on this planet does not determine what my God can do. Ruth and Abimelech had a terrible situation to rise up. They had two sons. Everything went bad because of a drought. So their only solution was to go to Moab. When they get to Moab, Abimelech dies. But her two sons, her two sons, Naomi's sons, marry two girls from Moab. In this process, the Bible says they stayed there 10 years. In that 10 years time, no children are born. Finally, her sons die. And she loads herself up and she's going back to Bethlehem. And as she's walking, her two daughters fall in right behind her. Ruth and Orpah fall in right behind her. And she turns around and says, y'all need to go back to your own families. Go back to your own gods. Do not follow me. The Lord has obviously put his hand against me. Everything is going bad. I need you to go to Ruth chapter 1 verse 11, please. Ruth chapter 1 verse 11. And, I, and I'm going to be done right here. This is what she says to these two girls. Naomi turns around, looks at her daughters and said, are you going with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Is there anything else this earth can produce that is going to be beneficial to you? Can you connect yourself to any other political party? Can you connect yourself to any other organization? Can you connect yourself to any other idea that's of this world? and have production out of that. Is there anything else that's going to show up? I'm going to tell you right now. God has given mankind the ability to go just about as far as he can go. We have done everything we can to turn God out, kick God out, tune God out, and we've done everything we can to make our own education, our own ideas, our own science. I was talking to a man in Germany, one of my German teachers, and I asked him, I said, what is the foundation of all knowledge? He said, science. And I looked at him, I said, dude, you can tie your own shoes. You're smarter than that. He looked at me kind of funny. I said, in the last 30 days, science has changed its mind on the origins of evolution. Ten times. I said, if that's where you're placing your hope in something that changes its mind every 30 days, 
you're in trouble, pal. He looked at me and said, you're a pretty good teacher. I said, do you mind if I borrow your dry erase board? I took over the class. God, in the beginning, created heaven and earth. He created Adam and Eve, and Adam sinned against God and was kicked out. And God kicked him out and put a barrier between himself and sinful mankind. But he kept sending prophets and preachers and teachers trying to teach mankind how to get back to God. And it never worked until Jesus came. And God made himself a child, made himself a body, got in it and walked among us and taught us. And what he did was he literally opened the door so that mankind now has access back to God. But mankind keeps looking for the womb of the world to produce some answer. Verse 12. Turn again. There's no answer in the world, folks. My daughter's turn. Go your way. I'm too old. This earth is too old. Politics is too old. Governmentalism is too old. The answer's not there. We have 6,000 years of recorded human history. There's no answer in politics. If I should say I have, I have, this is the first time the word hope is used in the Bible. The first time this word hope is used in the Bible, right here. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and they bear sons. Are you going to wait around until they're old enough to marry? She said, I have no hope. But Ruth said, Mama, don't matter where you go. I'm going with you. Orphan went back to hers. But Ruth, she comes into town. You see, what you have to understand is your environment circumstances of your life where you were raised a Moabite shall not enter the kingdoms uh, kingdom of God to the tenth generation that's the law her environment put her in Moab her environment made her an outcast by her birth she could not enter into the lineage of God until one day she went out to work in the field and she met a man. Met a man named Boaz. And it just so happens that Boaz was kinfolks to Naomi. And Boaz took a liking to this girl. He told all his servants, you be sure and give her some extra. I'm going to tell you right now, if your life ain't filling up with extras, it's because you're in the wrong field. You get in Boaz's field, he'll tell his servants, you be sure and give them a little extra. You be sure and make sure support out there. You make sure every time she comes to town, she's got a whole basket full. <laughs> because I'm telling you right now, Jesus is our Boaz. Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is the one who bought us out of Moab. Jesus is the one who shed his blood for us. Boaz, man, he liked this girl so much he made a deal. He said, we got somebody else that's closer to y'all than I am. He made a deal with him. He said, hey, you got an inheritance over here and Naomi and Abimelech stuff. Them two boys, 
The guy says, I'll take it. Boaz says, yeah, but there's a catch. <laughs> you got to take the bride too. And he said, I don't want that. Ladies and gentlemen, the world does not want to be married to the church. But our God and Savior does. And because he wants us to be his bride, I promise you he's going to make a way for us to be overrunning and overflowing and blessed beyond belief. He said, I'll take her and I'm going to marry her and I'm going to make her my bride and she is going to be in the lineage of Christ. Come on, let's stand. this hope be in any of you then you purify yourselves and I'm not talking about your sinfulness tonight I'm talking about your frustrations ladies and gentlemen I've run over time but I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and I'm going to invite you to come up here and put your frustration down on this carpet right here bring it up here lay your politics down lay your aggravation down Come on, nobody else is going to move you. Move. An altar invitation should not be a bed joint or bedtime. And just so you understand, the front row of seats is not the altar. If you're not frustrated about what's going on in life, and I think you're crazy if you say that, then you pray for somebody else because somebody else needs it. You know somebody, their life is trashed out because they're fretting and worrying over all this stuff. Anybody watch that debate last night? I didn't. From what I understand, it was one long gripe session between two guys. Whether one of them was right or wrong doesn't matter to me. But I'll tell you right now, neither one of them got the answer for my soul, but Jesus does. If you're tired of carrying that frustration, get down here. Get on your knees. Come on, humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before God. Come on. Kneel down here and talk to God a little bit. Tell him, look, Jesus, I've got babies. I've got kids. I've got a mama and a daddy. I've got friends that don't, they don't have it right yet. But Jesus, I believe you can intervene. I believe you can accomplish miracles in their life. And Jesus, when that frustration comes in on me, when I get back home and all I want to do is look at the news and be frustrated because things aren't going the way I think they're going to be. Jesus, help me remember my hope is not in this world. All of my hope is in Jesus and that's where it's going to be. There's a hope that'll set you free from this frustration right now. Come on, lady, that's it, lady. Come on, reach out and grab that hope. Let the Holy Ghost move through you right now. Come on now. We got a hope in Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're in America. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a pandemic. We've got a hope in Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
tonight our attitude our perspective the way we look at things I thank God tonight for that realigning in the Holy Ghost that we've had here tonight thank you brother Sledge for communicating so clearly uh, where we are and where we should be uh, we've we, we've preached this idea, we've, we've preached this message, we've, we've taught this principle, uh, especially this year. Our faith and our hope has been tried like it's never had been tried before. Uh, I don't think there's anybody here that's been through a pandemic like we've just, that, that we're living in right now, but I have found Jesus to be sure and true through this whole thing. We're still here. We're still here with all this attack and all this negative and all this stuff going on. We're still here. And if you can maintain your hope, if you can keep your hope intact, God is going to see us through this thing. And he is. I'm not just saying that. We've witnessed it. We've lived it. We've, we, we do this every day. We're living this hope that we have on the inside of us. And it goes beyond a doctor's visit and all those things. I thank God tonight for hope and the hope we have and the Lord Jesus. You're grateful for that? Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Praise God. And I want to thank these folks for coming. Uh, and I promise you, Brother and Sister Sledge will not be forgotten by Grace Church. Thank the Lord. We love these folks. We're thankful for their ministry. And uh, they'll certainly be in our prayers uh, in the days and weeks ahead. Thank the Lord. I think he said, um, I've only traveled about five weeks since March. Uh, they've just, things have closed down and what have you. But they're not hopeless. They're not hopeless. They know that God has a plan 
and God will have them back on German soil when he's ready for that to happen. He will, and that's how God works, and we've learned that. And uh, we appreciate these folks being here. Aren't you thankful that he poured his heart out to us tonight? Very thankful for the word of God tonight. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you folks. Greet one another as you feel too, uh, as you're comfortable in doing that. Certainly greet Brother and Sister Sledge. Let them know how much you appreciate them being with us tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus, and we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. God bless you tonight.